Hi, I'm James Wedmore, host of the Mind Your Business podcast, and I've built an eight-figure year company selling digital products around my knowledge and expertise. In fact, this is what I've been doing in multiple niches for the past 15 years. And if you've ever wanted to do the same, or maybe you're trying, but you can't seem to get any traction, here's how I can help. As you can guess, you need an audience if you want to sell your stuff, right? But what if I told you that you don't need a big audience. You don't need millions of followers to get started. In fact, we see that it's with just your first 100 leads where you really start getting some momentum. I mean, think about it. Imagine that you're on the stage of a room filled with just 100 people in that audience right now. That's a lot of people. You don't think that a few of them would walk up to you after your talk and ask, hey, how can I keep working with you? Of course they would. And that's why I created your first 100 leads. It's a 14-video step-by-step training mini course that walks you through exactly how to get your first 100 leads fast. And the feedback and results from this free program have been amazing. Diane Shepard said, this is one of the best trainings I've ever taken. Jake Curry said, We have had 753 people sign up for this free training. Are you kidding me? Dan Netting said, I'm currently going through the first 100 leads training, and James, I gotta say, it's brilliant. This training is A to Z complete, and the best part is it's absolutely free. To register, simply click the link in the show notes of this episode. Thanks so much, and I'll see you there. The reason why people get so overwhelmed in onboarding is because there's so many questions like, I can't tell you how many times I've been onboarded recently. I'll just give you an example. I got onboarded by our social media management company because we switched over and people think you think it's fun when you have two companies and then when you have to onboard with a company with both companies, it's not fun people. Okay. So that was my life. And it was so, so rough, like trying to fill out this thing that had so many questions and also they go through things like branding, like your voice, your, you know, your brand voice. Granted, I had a lot of this stuff inside of Notion, like documented, but I just remember looking at it like, I can't imagine people who aren't organized like me trying to fill this out. And just being able to have like those questions that spit as needed is just really a great feature in my opinion. Hey, and welcome to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. I'm Serena Shoup. I am a CPA and mom of three, and I'm running a virtual bookkeeping business, mostly from my home. You're in the right place if you're a bookkeeper, accountant, or an accounting student, and you know that your purpose is bigger than sitting in a cubicle. If you're ready to learn some actionable tips and strategies to help you start and grow a bookkeeping or accounting business, I hope you stick around. For the last two months, if you've been following along on the podcast, you may have been listening to our special niche series where I interviewed many accounting firm owners who specialize and niche in a certain industry or a certain software. And hopefully you gained a ton of value and took away lots of ideas that you can implement in your own bookkeeping or accounting business. This month, we are doing a series on systems. Again, I will be interviewing experts on systems as they pertain to bookkeeping and accounting. I hope you enjoy. If you've been enjoying these special series, please take a screenshot, share them on the socials, tag me at Ambitious Bookkeeper, and let me know what has been your biggest takeaway. Another great way to support this is to go ahead and review our podcast and drop a question in there for me because I have something special 
dropping as well around little Q&As. So if you have a question you'd like answered, please send me a DM and I will record a short and sweet podcast episode and maybe you'll hear it on the air. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I truly appreciate you tuning in each week. And as does my team, we put a lot of effort into producing these shows, and I hope that you are finding tons of value, inspiration, and learning a thing or two. All right, now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. I have another special guest for this series on systems that we're doing this month, none other than the workflow queen, Alyssa Lang. Welcome, Alyssa. Biz Bestie. How are you? I was like, I hope you at least say Biz Bestie somewhere in there because I'm like, I prefer that title way better than Workflow Queen. Serena's Biz Bestie. But hi, I'm so excited to be here. As as you know, I love talking about systems and I know the combo is going to go probably sideways a little bit, but we're excited for all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So before we hit record, and just a side note, if this is the first time you're hearing Alyssa and I on a podcast together, you can scroll back in your podcast player for and search for Alyssa's name. We've done several episodes together. In some of the older episodes, we cover how we met and why we're biz besties. So we're not going to repeat that today for efficiency's sake, as this is a systems (laughs) podcast. But yeah, so today, before we hit record, we're trying to figure out like, where do we want this conversation to go? And one thing that constantly is coming up for your students and my students is onboarding system. So we thought it would be pretty cool to talk about what your onboarding system looks like in your firm and what mine looks like, the systems we use. And that way people have some ideas to run with, and then we'll just see where it goes from there. So, so yeah, like what is, I guess, take it wherever you want to go. If you want to start with what your system is or some, some question that you get constantly, and we can start there. Yeah. So I think one thing I want to preface that I find is a really big issue in the industry is that a lot of people think that their onboarding is also their cleanup. And so because of that, a lot of people get stuck on wanting to be able to outsource the onboarding aspect, which as you know, if you separate your processes out from like your process for onboarding is one thing, and then you have a whole nother project and a whole nother process for cleanup, it allows you to actually bring on an assistant or easily hand that off to someone like a VA on the team. But I think a lot of people in the industry try to mix the two and that's what creates a lot of overwhelming confusion of like, there's no way I can outsource this because I also have to have a cleanup person. It's like, let's just pause, take a step back. Onboarding is one thing. Your cleanup is another. So I really wanted to start with that because we clarified that a lot last week during our boot camp when people were like, oh yeah, I just can't do it. So start with that piece. Yeah. As far as what we do with how we try to organize our onboarding is we try to do our best to have everything manually laid out. We use Asana for this. And I know that you're very similar in this capacity too, but we do have things automated. We have other systems that we're using through our onboarding, but we don't even think about the cleanup until the client's onboarded. So for us, like we, we strive, as we all know, this is not usually how it works. We strive for a two week onboarding period and we will not start any work in any capacity. We won't even sign them up on QuickBooks online until they're at a certain stage in their onboarding part to be able to start doing the cleanup or start doing the monthly maintenance, whatever that looks like. So I just wanted to preface that because I feel like a lot of people get lost and they think it's both. (laughs) And one thing I want to add to that too, is I have faced this myself just this last week is I brought on a new client and we're starting with a cleanup. And then after the cleanup, we're going to talk about monthly engagement, but for right now it's just the cleanup. 
And she has a tight deadline because it's almost September 15th at the time of this recording. And she needs to get her 2022 cleaned up so she can complete her taxes. And so one of the things that I had to make sure to communicate multiple times during discovery and during the onboarding process is you have a deadline of September 15th. I'm not starting anything until that intake form is complete. So this is very contingent upon you completing those tasks before I can start any work. Yeah. And it really comes down to a lot of people because I get, I, I started to get kind of caught up in this as well of like trying to help move the process along. So I was like, well, what can I do before she finishes this? And then I was like, wait a second, (laughs) you know, like it, you really, but you really have to communicate that to the client. You can't make it seem like you're going to be willing to just piece things together. So you have to decide like, if you are willing to piece things together and take that on, on your shoulders and help move the process along more quickly, number one, it sets a precedent. But number yeah. two, you're kind of, you're creating your own trap. So if you don't want it to be that way, and if you don't want to feel that way, you have to communicate clearly to the client what the expectation is. Yeah. And like you said, it's all about being like that upfront, because if you let your client just say, no, we just don't need that right now. Like keep moving forward. You're just pretty much allowing them to walk all over you and you're allowing them to dictate your process. And for me, unfortunately, we just don't let our clients dictate our process. And I do recommend that somewhere in your contracts, if you want to talk to a lawyer or somehow put this drafted in your contract, that if after X number of weeks, you still have not onboarded, we have the right to disengage and keep X number of fee. I think for us, we landed on like a $250 fee that like, we'll just refund them. We're just not going to deal with this because to me, you're already setting a certain tone with my company and my team. And I'm just not desperate enough to sway these things because then that will change our whole process. And to me, my process is more important than someone's feelings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so bad when it came out, but I swear I care about people. <laughs> it's business though. And yeah. you're making a really, you make a really good point. And I love having that as a caveat of like, this is our onboarding timeframe. And if you exceed this and to a certain extent, we're just going to disengage because it's just an, uh, you're just giving an idea of how the rest of the engagement's going to go that you don't really respect our time and what we're putting into it. The other thing is I know someone's going to be like, well, what do you, ha- what can you do to help move that process along where you aren't like getting in the weeds? And I think that's where it comes into the systems that we use. So should we go yeah. there now? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think for us, how we're able to actually execute something within that two week time period is the client experience that we give when people do like start the onboarding process. So how we know the process is done with the sales is when they have signed that first contract and they have paid the first invoice. That means the sales process is done. We have now moved on to the onboarding aspect of things. And that's when we're starting to get like, for us, it's like content snare. It's getting the requests sent out to our clients, getting Pluto ready. Cause we use Pluto for like our ACH So it essentially can send the ACH form to them. And within Pluto, it just allows us to like, like spit out the right information. And we do that alongside the content snare request. We send everything over to the client. And once we get the clients like that information, we have this is why I love content snare. Content snare allows for like a, like a, like a follow-up sequence and you can customize it. So we have a follow-up sequence that's specific to onboarding that just says, re-reminding them, Hey, per our contract, like, and it's a nice wording, obviously, you have to get this done by X number of dates. And we literally put a deadline on the content share request for like two weeks out, or I think it might be 
I want to say it actually might be a week and a half out because then we need, we want to complete the onboarding as a team by the end of two weeks. Yeah. And so for us, that's kind of helps a lot because those, the onboarding email sequence, a lot of people struggle with getting the clients to do things because they're manually sending emails or trying to remember that they need to nudge them. So content centers doing that, like it's already set up for us. So then as long as it's initiating everything, one new thing that we're trying to add in, which I was trying to avoid for quite some time was trying to do onboarding calls because I don't want to be sucked in doing it. And I just don't have someone yet on the team that can like take over those types of calls right now, but we are striving towards that right now. But I'm starting to add in a new layer of offering an onboarding call. We do technically inside of our content scenario requests, it's like the last question. It says, if you struggle or you're getting stuck, please book a call. It's not like book your call, let's do it together. So now we've swapped it in the welcome email to say, hey, book your call. You're going to receive a separate this. You're going to receive a separate this. And this is how you move forward. Because we do have like a new client that we just signed on who is like, realistically, I'm so busy. I could not like fill this out by myself. I just need someone to be on a call with me and hold me accountable and hold my hand. And so that's why we uh, recently switched it over. So that's kind of like what we do. And I think that just allows for us to have follow-ups and the ability to have touch points without actually having to do the touch points. Because I got this last week during like our bootcamp, someone kept saying, how are you creating a a positive client experience if everything is mostly automated? As you know, my lovely, what is it? 45 step zap for onboarding that I shared with you is insane. Like our, almost our whole entire onboarding is fully automated. And I'm like, everything that you do, you're still manually probably copying, pasting an email that you're probably retyping. I just have it ready to go. It's still personalized. It's still exciting. Like it's still the personality. You can still create good client experience systems alongside automating. And I think that that's where people get stuck too in the onboarding process. Yeah. I recently onboarded a new client that he was raving about my onboarding system. He was like, your drip sequence, your everything was so like lockstep. Like he was like, it was amazing. As soon as I completed one thing, I got an email and I was ready for the next thing. And it wasn't overwhelming. He was like, I just commend you for your onboarding. And he knew it was automated, but he's still like, they'll know it's automated and can also still appreciate it. Cause that's, that still makes it a good client experience because they're not waiting either. So like they're getting things immediately. As soon as they complete one thing, they get a new thing. And yeah. So you use content snare for your intake form. Mm-hmm. I used Dubsado. So yep. I used Dubsado for my whole onboarding pr- process and it can do the same thing where it's kicking off automated emails when they complete one thing. And we do also do the onboarding call and we have it. We have an email that goes out once they've completed their intake form. We say, okay, give us like a couple days to get all this, you know, set up and get sure. into your system. And in the meantime, schedule an onboarding call because hopefully that gives them a few days to look at our calendar and and get something on the books within the next two weeks. And then we also, that also holds us accountable to moving it along the process because then we'll get as much done as we can before that call. And then on that call is where we tie up the loose ends, like Hmm. connecting their bank feeds together or going over questions that we have come across so far in the onboarding. Like for example, with this one client, we just onboarded it was, he already had his zero set up and we kind of did a little cleanup, 
but there was some things that we noticed during the cleanup of the setup that we were like, okay, let's talk to him about this, this, and this on the onboarding call. And then ask him the questions about the transactions we, we couldn't figure out. And one of the things was that we look at is their invoice settings. So if they're invoicing through zero or QuickBooks, we look to see if they are, they have their logo on there. We look to make sure that the address is on there and all that kind of stuff, their invoice terms. And we also make sure that there's reminders automatically going out so that they don't yeah. have to chase their customers for money, little things like that. And then the other thing too, was he's a sole proprietor and we noticed that he had his social security number in, in zero as his EIN. And so mm -hmm. my recommendation on that call was go get yourself an EIN. Don't use your social security anymore. It's, it's yeah. okay. Like even if you're not an LLC yet still get an, an EIN, little things like that, that you're going to notice. It's really helpful to have that touch point to just talk through those things. So yes, I highly recommend the onboarding call. It doesn't need to be longer than 30 minutes. Yeah. Don't it does not have to be crazy. Your meetings don't need to be a whole hour all the time. Yeah. And you'll fill the time with, what is that? Par Parkinson's? <laughs> it's par it is Parkinson's law. Is it right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm saying the wrong thing because I'm notorious for this. It's sad. Um, we're like the amount of time that you give it, you will fill it with that amount of time. But so mm -hmm. if you do an hour, it's going to fill its time with an hour. Like, so just, I dare anybody to like cut your meetings by like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, you will see a difference and people will get things done faster. So I have a question for you actually. So it sounds like it's really interesting to see like the way that different people, even me and you, we talk so often and we go through processes together. It's crazy how even we still have such different things because in our onboarding, we actually, the only thing that we do that has to do with the QBO aspect of things, if like we have to set up a brand new account is we barely just sign them up and use whatever data we have, like from the sales process to do the initial setup, to then send the invite to them. But our actual setup phase of QBO, that's like the invoicing terms, like you were saying, like the logo and everything like that actually happens in our cleanup phase. Yeah. Because even if a client technically isn't a cleanup, they're like, the cleanup is the aspect of getting them ready to go to get started. It's mm -hmm. so interesting. Like, it sounds like you, you take those in the onboarding, but for me, I've separated those out to, we don't do any work at all. Like we don't even ask them questions because our questions come as we do the cleanup, we send them content yeah. requests for the cleanup questions. Or one example is we actually just recently created a custom template inside of content snare that's for accounts receivable because a lot of the times like our clients aren't going to hire us to go do it but then they like maybe aren't setting it up correctly so in the content snare request we essentially like say for your invoicing like do you prefer this term this term this term do you prefer to pay by and this is why i don't use dubsado just so that to preface why we don't do the intake forms so inside a content snare we can ask them a question that says do you want to take payments through quickbooks online if they say yes, it will then spit out another question. Yeah. Um, it's like a setting inside of there that like says, okay, yeah, it'll say, okay, cool. Here's a link to go check out the QBO payment fees and what you would be feed. And then here's a loom video. It's like an SOP that they click on. It goes to notion that like has the embedded video, like then the step-by-step -step process of like how to go set up like that. So, Cause we can't do the setup of the payments for them. Like they have yeah. to authorize that. And we don't want that burden. We could technically, but I don't want that burden on our plate but it spits out additional questions based off certain criteria, which is great. And so that's how we do it, but that's also in our cleanup phase. So it's really interesting yeah. to hear like so, the differences. Technically he was onboarded at that point. Mm, gotcha. So I would say we call it an onboarding call, but it's more of a kickoff call. So it's like whatever we couldn't complete through the onboarding process, like for him, it was... It, 
he already had the zero setup, so we weren't connecting bank feeds, but for a new setup client, we would still get as much as we could done. We would set up their zero, do all the things. And then that would be the last step of linking their bank accounts. And we always have the client on the phone for that. For him, it really was more of a kick off the engagement call. We've, we've done as much as we can for the cleanup. We just, yeah, we didn't have to have really an onboarding call because he had gotten us everything we needed. So that's where you can kind of adjust. And I can adjust when that email goes out too. It's like, it has to be approved by me or whoever is completing the the tasks in Dubsado to kick off those emails so that it doesn't kick off too early if you haven't finished setting up their account or if you haven't finished mm. cleaning up their account they won't get that email to book an onboarding call or whatever so you can decide the timing of when that goes out too yeah so for him it really like they usually are more of like a kickoff call where it's like okay we're going to tie up loose ends and then make sure we're set up for going forward. But yeah, nice. I like how content snare has the conditional questions. That's, that's something that I continue to kind of like go back and forth mm-hmm. about. I'm like, do we need it? So convenient. <laughs> like, honestly, it's so convenient, even in like the onboarding, like form, like questionnaire that we have, like the request even has questions like, do you have payroll? Like, yes. Yeah. Then it spits out all the questions that we need. Do you have a sales CRM? No. Then it's like, why bother asking all these questions? And like the reason why people get so overwhelmed in onboarding is because there's so many questions. Like I can't tell you how many times I've been onboarded recently. I'll just give you an example. I got onboarded by our social media management company because we switched over and people think you think it's fun when you have two companies. And then when you have to onboard with a company with both companies, it's not fun people. Okay. So that was my life. And it was so, so rough, like trying to fill out this thing that had so many questions. And also they go through things like branding, like your voice, your, you know, your brand voice. Granted, I had a lot of this stuff inside of notion, like documented, but I just remember looking at it. Like, I can't imagine people who aren't organized like me trying to fill this out and just being able to have like those questions that spit as needed is just really a great feature in my opinion. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode of the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast is sponsored by my brand new free training, The Ultimate Guide to Creating a Profitable Bookkeeping Business. In just one hour, you will learn three keys to creating and launching a profitable bookkeeping business. We will map out your path to creating a bookkeeping or accounting business that keeps you in control of your time, priorities, and expertise. From someone who built a six-figure firm on part-time hours. That's right. You can stay in control of your time, keep family as your priority, and serve your clients well. It just takes a little strategy up front, and I'm going to help you with that during this free training. So head over to the show notes to sign up now for the next training and find out how you can choose the work you do, kick imposter syndrome to the curb, use tech to be super efficient, which all leads to a profitable business. Just head on over to ambitiousbookkeeper.com training. And I will see you there. Yeah, yeah, I would agree, especially if you do get to that point where you have so many different options or whatever for clients, like if you're doing if you are doing payroll for clients, or if you are doing sales tax, each one of those adds a service that you need to know about. And there's always going there's the other thing too, is that Another area people get hung up on is 
there's always going to be information that you forgot to ask for, or the client didn't even realize how to answer the question. So they didn't tell you that they had a certain thing. There's always going to be that no matter what, no matter how good your systems are. And you're not going to know until you go and look at the balance sheet or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's where in the cleanup, that's why we're doing like the follow-up like we have, I think what's called like QBO cleanup tasks. And then we like assign it to the client and that's like in the request inside a content snare. And it has a different follow-up sequence that has to do with like, we can't finalize your cleanup. You don't get your together. (laughs) We don't say that to them people. (laughs) I probably do actually. Um, So anyways, you got to find your people, people. Um, So like we kick off like certain types of requests depending on, and like, that's where we go through our cleanup task list to say, Hey, you know, we're missing this, we're missing that, like as we're going through, because that's pretty normal that, that that's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people just, I think everybody gets tripped up on even like the onboarding when you're talking about how, if you're offering different levels of service for your client, like obviously you're going to need certain questions to be asked. A lot of things of the reason why most people can't outsource the onboarding is because they feel like every time they talk to the client, the client's going to tell them what they want, right? So maybe it's budgeting, maybe it's cash flow projections, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. They're so hung up on like, I have to customize the form for each person to like go be sent out to them. And I call BS on that because like, that's why if you use something like, this is why content center, I even think it's better than the onboarding inside a keeper. And a lot of these other uh, platforms is because I can act as if the client is always going to be full service and it spits certain questions as needed. However, if we are doing something like budgeting or cash flow projections, like they won't get that in their onboarding because we don't start that setup until they get into the cleanup phase because we first just need them onboarded. We can't get the data to that without the QBO being set up, without the information that we need. So then we're spitting out different requests that are customized yeah. for the things we need to then do the next thing. But onboarding is just getting the company into your world, not getting their services driven towards them already. Yeah, delivered. Yeah, yeah. that makes so much sense. Well, you basically sold me on switching my intake form Just kidding. <laughs> to content snare. And it's funny because I emailed them the other day and I was like, can we please get like a send later feature for the, the content snares? Because a lot of my team likes to work on the weekends and that, that's fine. I don't care when you work, but I don't want us to be emailing our clients at four yeah. in the morning or like wherever they're at. And so I emailed him and he's like, that's like the third thing that's on the list of like going down in order. And I'm like, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So we have a few minutes left. So for your onboarding systems, you do use Dubsado for proposals. Yep. Engagement letter and first invoice. First invoice. Yes. goes through Dubsado. Okay. And then I'm assuming you have a zap that sends the information into content snare to kick that, that off or no. Yeah. So the zap is essentially they've signed the first contract. It then like creates a Slack channel for that client. And then it adds certain team members to that Slack channel if needed. And then from there, it then moves it into, man, I wish I would have just pulled up my zap because it was such a beast to build, as you know. Um, <laughs> and then it sets up, oh, it creates a client inside of Content Snare first is one of the steps. And then it creates the draft. So this is really important. We do not automatically have the zap send the first Content Snare thing because the questions do not change, but only one question that's in the request has to add a certain link because we have the zap also automatically creating the Google drive folder for the clients, not only just one folder, but every single subfolder and also the external folder with the clients. And we even have the zap set up to turn on certain permissions on certain documents that they're going to need, which is really freaking cool. Um, I did not know that they were capable of doing that until I did it from that step. What we're doing is 
in the process, it's also creating a database line inside of Notion for that client. And we have like a database called All Master Client Database, creates the client in there, but it also takes from the prior step, the Google Drive link that they need for the client specifically and adds it to that thing inside of Notion. So that way, when the onboarder will then have a task inside of Asana, which is initiated from the Zap, it sets up the sets up the onboarding project and the cleanup project. So two different projects at one time, it spits them both out and sets them up, which are already pre-assigned to everybody. And then from there, they just have a task that says, go take the Google Drive link and add it to the content send request and just hit send. But it already presets the due date. It sets up everything based off certain conditions, spits out the data. And then from there, we also have to make sure that simultaneously, and this is why it's, that part's a little bit manual. We have the Pluto set up because that cannot be zapped because most banking things cannot be zapped in any capacity. Yeah. So we have like the team member going in, creating the Pluto setup for the recurring payment that we need to receive, whether it's a cleanup fee because we do payment plans for cleanups or just a regular recurring. So they set it up. And then that way they send the content snare request because somewhere in the content snare request, it says you should have received a separate email from Pluto. Please make sure to go set up the ACH and then click done. So that way we're, they're pretty much acknowledging that they did what they said they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like where it goes from there, but then there's obviously way more things that happened. Yeah. So you have, you have separate projects in Asana for each, like you have an onboarding project. And then you have the cleanup project. And then if they're going to be doing monthly accounting with you, is that a third project that it sets up? Or do you wait until the cleanup's done? Like, how do you, cause I know that's another question for people is yeah. when, if we're going to engage monthly too, at what point do we roll them into monthly? And some people have opinions on that, where it's like, you should be doing as much as you can monthly as well while you're doing the cleanup or like, do you wait until the cleanup is done? How do you handle that? Yeah. So I, if I, I don't remember exactly if I would have had my zap up, I could tell you, but it could possibly be shooting off an onboarding project, cleanup project and the monthly project. Cause our monthly is also our quarterly because the volume we just have to set up, like yeah. is we just use a full service. Like we just assume every client's full service in our monthly, like client project yeah. in the sauna. And then we just delete what's not needed and yeah. then go based off volume. So I don't remember if it spits out all, all three. I wish I had that answer, but I do know one for, for sure. It's the onboarding project and cleanup. And we don't move them into monthly maintenance until they're fully cleaned up. And a lot of the times it's not even because we haven't done our work. It's because the client hasn't given us what we need and to finalize this. And we tell, I'm very straightforward and very upfront with them. And we give them a weekly email that lets them know through the cleanup process, what, what's going on. And what's you know, the, the update, yeah, the status, it's not telling them like, here's what we did. It's just like the status overall, like we're stalled because we can't move you into maintenance, but we're still going to charge you your maintenance fee. Cause we still have to cover those months because you're refusing to get us info. And so that's kind of how we've decided to maneuver sure. that piece. I don't do monthly maintenance until it's yeah. ready. I'm the same, but I've seen other cases where it might make sense to start monthly maintenance as you're doing cleanup so that things don't fall so far behind. But me personally, I don't have such complex clients that we really do that. And, and generally, if you can't, if you don't have the stuff to do the catch up cleanup, you're probably not also getting the stuff that you're going to need for monthly maintenance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Okay. So I'm, as we were talking, I'm writing down all the systems that we've mentioned. I'm going <laughs> to drop links to the, in the show notes. If, if someone is like, oh my gosh, cause I know we're going to get this question. Someone's going to DM one of us and be like, can I have like, where do you sell that zap that you created? 
the monthly or the onboarding, the beast of an onboarding Zapier automation. Is there somewhere that you teach that process or like what should, cause I know the question's going to come up. So I'm just going to ask it for you. Because <laughs> we just assume we know this. So right now it's not sold in any capacity. However, I did promise my breakthrough students that after we sign like at least a couple more clients, because we did just sign one and two things broke because I don't want to share something that's going to break. Yeah. So two things broke. I was able to fix it, but we're waiting on the next contract to be signed. We are doing like a special session for our breakthrough students in September that will be like, let's go through Alyssa's onboarding process, AKA I'm my own guest expert in yeah. my own program. <laughs> so we're going to go through the onboarding. And I did promise them that I'd give them like the zap, but I tell people all the time, even if someone just hands you a zap, your system's different. It's yeah. more important to understand how it all works versus trying to like work it based off my system. And so that's the session that we're going to do in all of our guest expert sessions, which even if they're from me, like are recorded and uploaded into the program and any assets and resources. So at this time, that's the only place other than kickoff with the sauna is a place to get like our onboarding project, but that's not automated and stuff. And, and, yeah. you know, I'm hoping a Zapier course one day, but I don't think it's going to happen. If anything, it's going to stay inside a breakthrough for Zapier because yeah. you just need to be so, you need to understand the manual process before you try to zap. And too many people try to zap before understanding how to do it manually. Like that's to me is the most important thing mm -hmm. is like understanding and knowing how to process map to understand what you can even automate in the first place. Yeah. And you cover process mapping inside of breakthrough. breakthrough. So we will drop the link to that. It's always enrolling. Yeah. Amazing program. I yes. also am a guest teacher in that. Oh, I you were one of the modules. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> so yes, definitely check that out. If you're looking to really implement systems and automate things and remove yourself from doing the day-to-day -day, breakthrough is going to be your program. I have a okay. question for you. One yes. thing I know we're about to be at the end, but what happens if someone really wants to set up their Dubsado and they really would just love a seamless setup for Dubsado? What would be your recommendation, Serena? <laughs> yeah, funny you asked. <laughs> so I recently partnered with Kendra Courtney. I retired the onboarding on autopilot course that I had created and partnered with a Dubsado, a certified Dubsado specialist to build out a program showing you exactly how to set up your Dubsado to set up your own services, your own workflows, and all those automations with Kendra. And that is called Dubsado Decoded. And I will drop the link in the show notes as well. You can also go to ambitiousbookkeeper.com slash decoded, and that should take you there as well. But yeah, a lot of Dubsado is a very robust program oh, and yeah. mm -hmm. it, it can get confusing, but once you figure it out and you learn how to customize it and everything, I get so many compliments from clients that how like seamless. how, yeah, how seamless it is and how branded it is. That's the other thing. Like there's other things out there, obviously that are built for accountants like ignition or go proposal and things yeah. like that, but you can't really customize the branding and the look and the feel of it. So if you do work, especially if you work with like creative businesses, they will got to be creative. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We both know that one. So, yeah. So we'll drop links to all of these resources in the show notes. And do you have any other recommendations or pieces of advice for someone who is, you know, building a bookkeeping business and wants to get better with their systems implementations? Yeah. If we're talking about any systems in general, I think the biggest thing that you can do for yourself is first learn how to do something manually before you try to get it automated was my biggest tip earlier. And to kind of piggyback on top of that is just making sure that 
Don't try to perfect all your systems up front. It is not possible. And as your business progresses, your systems will grow too. Even my systems that I share and sell to people still change for myself as well, because the industry is evolving. Our client base is evolving. You might pick a different niche that will change your systems. So just give yourself grace to know that like your systems will always ever be evolving, but having a foundation and a base is the best thing you can do for yourself to really get yourself set up. So perfectionism, don't even try it because I've tried to perfect perfectionism. (laughs) I've tried to make perfectionism perfect. (laughs) Typical accountant. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Alyssa, for your time today. As always, it's a pleasure. It's so fun to chat with you. And yeah, we will link some prior episodes in the show notes as well. So you can get to know kind of our background and we'll talk to you soon. Yay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you to everyone who helps make this podcast possible. Content and interviews are produced by me, Serena Shu. Our intro and outro music is written and performed by my brother, Ian Gilliam. Editing is also by Ian using his awesome sound engineering skills along with Descript software. Hosting and publishing is by Buzzsprout. And you can check out the show notes for links to all of these amazing resources and resources mentioned in the episode. Embrace ambition.